0: of you here next today apparently the uh, the word got out that somebody else other than me would be talking because there are certain people in here today that only show up whenever it's somebody else but that's okay I'm not bitter I'm just getting better that's right um We're uh, really grateful to have uh, Christy Murphy's going to come talk to us in a little bit. I asked her if this was going to be a my story type of presentation, and and she said, kind of. So we're looking forward to that, but um, uh, I just told her to just deliver whatever was on her heart. Uh, Before she comes, a couple things. Uh, I want to pray, but before we do that, did anybody do their homework from last week? Tommy? For those of you that forgot or weren't here, um, I gave you an assignment, a next step last week. I wanted you to do something to engage the kingdom differently. How many of you remember that now? You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, incorporating a little of that uh, Tony Horton, P90X uh, philosophy into our spiritual lives, the muscle confusion. I wanted you to just do something differently, engage the kingdom differently uh, from what you normally do and um, I asked who would do that and pretty much everybody in here raised their hand and said that they would so um, Tommy do you want to tell us what you did uh, and how it went if not just say no and we'll we'll roll on Man, that's awesome because that's that's at least two lives right there that were touched this past week because you were willing to do something different, and um, they may not have been touched otherwise. So thank you. Anybody else who's going to try again this week? Lord, please help them not to be liars again this week. Again this week, uh, let, let's give it another shot this week. Um, to be uh, completely transparent, I tried, and the avenue that I, uh, that I attempted didn't work out. I've got to find either another way to do it or, or um, something different to do. One particular person I'm trying to reach out to and just can't get in touch with them for one way and for whatever reason. So um, I'm going to have to try again this week as well, uh, but um, try again. Try again this week to engage the kingdom of God differently from what you normally do. Just one step outside of your comfort zone can make a huge difference, not just for you, but for somebody else. Cool. Uh, We're about to get Christy up here, but before she comes, uh, would you just pray with me? You don't have to stand. Let's just uh, bow our heads and pray. Lord, you are an incredible God, and I am so grateful that I can come to this place today. And be with these people and experience what I'm going to experience today. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our spiritual ears today. Because you're talking, you're talking and we want to hear what it is you have to say to us today. I pray that you would uh, speak through Christy, that your word and your spirit and your confidence would speak through her. In Jesus name, amen. All right. Christy Murphy, come talk to us today.
1: Thank you, Brian, for that. (laughs) It's always good to have one friend. (laughs) Well, thank you all for having me this morning. This is quite a treat. I'm usually next door serving in other areas. So uh, this is actually my first time to be over here for next. So this is awesome. Thank you all for inviting me. Thank you, Jason, for entrusting your class to me, and uh, I hope that what I have to say today will impact you in some way, maybe encourage you, inspire you a little bit, and if it doesn't, just keep it to yourself. (laughs) Let's go with that. So today, my title is a little strange, and I'm actually really excited to have Deborah in here today because a lot of what I'm going to talk about, she will totally understand. So my title is Lessons from an Operating Room, Lessons from an Operating Room. Once upon a time, I was a 19-year-old student at Our Lady of the Lake College enrolled in the surgical technology program. Can y'all see the picture? Yeah. I am 19 years old in this picture, and the picture is 19 years old. (laughs) Just a little dink there. Now let me give you a little background as to how I ended up there, and you can take that picture down anytime you want to. In the spring of 96, I was in my second semester at Southeastern working toward an associate's degree in respiratory therapy. Without any warning, I received a letter in the mail that that program was being shut down by the university about four weeks before I was to start clinicals. So here I was with all these credits that were focused toward a medical perfection, things like microbiology and physics and chemistry and anatomy and things that I had passed by the skin of my teeth, but yet had passed, and wanted to use them somewhere in the medical profession. So my objective quickly became to find a field of study that I could transfer my credits to and still graduate in the same amount of time. And I really wasn't even picky as to what career I went into at this point. I just wanted to graduate and get a job. I was in—I was just in a hurry. Why? I do not know, <laughs> because... Becoming an adult means a whole lot more responsibilities. So I had heard about the surgical technology program at Our Lady of the Lake, and after doing some research, realized that my credits from Southeastern would transfer, and I would only need two additional classes before I could apply to the clinical program. I took the classes I needed during that summer, and I applied to the surgical technology program in the fall. During this time, I also changed jobs. Now, those of you who know me know that I really like Routine and structure and sameness. So for me to change schools, change majors, and change jobs in what was about a two-week time period, my parents were like, who are you and what have you done with our child? It was just crazy. But I found a position working for an oral surgeon who had offered to let me assist on surgical procedures while gaining experience with instrument processing and sterile supplies and things like that. Unfortunately, that didn't turn out quite like I had planned. I actually ended up handling insurance claims instead because one, the doctor discovered I had a really neat handwriting and he wasn't paying for a computer. So every insurance form was written in by hand, which became my job. But the second and more important reason was the one time I was asked to help out on a procedure, to assist on a procedure, I passed out cold sweat, smelling salts on the floor. Let's put her feet in the air, the whole shebang. It was so embarrassing. And do you know, no matter how many times I worked after that on oral surgery procedures, and I did quite a few, I hated every one of them because they all brought back the smell of smelling salts. You know, you have that memory that comes back. So in December of 1996, I received my acceptance letter into the surgical technology program thanks to a few little angels who helped along the way, one of who is here today. And uh, I was incredibly excited, but to say that I was unprepared was a huge understatement. I went to class that day thinking, I'm just going to be such a help, and I'm just going to minister to people, and my surgeons are going to love me, and they're never going to scream at me and throw instruments at me. I left class that first day wondering, what have I got myself into? I was so unprepared. Let me give you a brief overview of what a surgical technologist does, for those of you who may not know. Surgical technologists, or scrub techs, are members of operating room teams which include a surgeon, anesthesiologist, and a nurse. Before an operation, they help prepare the operating room by setting up sterile surgical instruments, equipment, and supplies. They assemble steric- sterile equipment and make sure that it is working properly. They assist the surgeon with putting on his gown and gloves as well as assisting the surgeon in placing sterile drapes on the patient to create a sterile field. During the surgical procedure, they are responsible for anticipating the needs of the surgeon by passing instruments, not what I asked for, but what I need. How many times have I heard that? And providing needed supplies and sterile dressings at the end of the procedure. They will assist with moving the patient from the operating room table to the stretcher for transport to the recovery room. We then had to clean our room and the equipment and get ready for the next procedure. And ideally, Deborah, you could help me with this, all that needed to happen in about 14 minutes, about 14 minute turnaround after a surgery. <clears throat> so during the 12 months of clinicals that followed that first day, we had to learn to do everything that I just mentioned and a whole lot of other stuff And we had to learn how to do them proficiently. And even though it's been years, and it's getting to be more years every day since I was a student, and for that matter, an employee, there are still many of these skills that I incorporate into my life. So today, I wanted to share a few of these lessons from an operating room. The first lesson is repetition cultivates confidence. During my time in school, we didn't just learn one skill and move on. We had to learn it, then repeat it again and again and again until it became second nature before we ever stepped into an operating room. The school had a lab attached to our classroom that was equipped exactly like an operating room down to a CPR mannequin who was our patient. That poor guy got operated on every day. We would use it to practice, practice, and practice. We learned to set up our operating room furniture the exact same way every time. Prep tray, mayo stand, back table, ring stand. Every time, every time, every time. Our instruments were laid out in the same way each time, being specific to the procedure we were doing. The way you set up a tonsillectomy in 1998 is the same way you probably set it up now. It's the same thing. You do it the same way every time. We would assist on the same types of surgeries numerous times, but with the repetition of these tasks, our skill set and abilities developed more and more. We were able to reach a point where we didn't have to think about each step, but we could just do it. By the last semester, we had become confident enough to work alone, and there were many times we would get to scrub in without an instructor standing beside us. This was always a huge milestone and a red-letter day for us, but it didn't happen overnight. It came about by hours and hours of repetition. In 605 B.C., the Babylonians conquered Israel, taking many of its promising young men into captivity in Babylon. One of these men was Daniel. Through a life of hard work and obedience to God, he had risen through the ranks to become one of only three administrators over the provincial governors throughout the kingdom. In fact, Daniel was so honest and hardworking that the other government officials who were jealous of him could find no reason to remove him from office. So they tried to use Daniel's faith in God against him. They tricked King Darius into passing a decree that during a 30-day period, anyone who prayed to another god or man besides the king would be thrown into the den of lions. Daniel learned of the decree, but did not change his habit of prayer. Daniel 6 and verse 10 tells us, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. As he had done previously. He had established a pattern, a discipline in his life. And through this discipline, this repetition of action, he had gained confidence in the one who shut the mouths of the lions and delivered him for what should have been a death sentence. And that confidence was not going to waver because of fear or intimidation or even the loss of his position of influence. Our relationship with God is not something that's just going to develop because we hope it will. It's not going to be productive or healthy with intermittent or sporadic attention. And it does not magically appear once we have a title or a position. Like Daniel, it is through daily discipline and repetition that we grow in our relationship with him and in our confidence of who he is and in what he can do in our lives. Let me give you some examples. It is through daily repentance that we die to self we decrease so that he can increase. It becomes less about us and all about him. Through daily worship, we give God pleasure and we magnify him or make him bigger in our lives. Through daily prayer, we communicate with God and he communicates with us. Through daily time in the word, we feed our souls with the bread of life and we put into our hearts sustenance that will sustain us and keep us spiritually strong. By doing these things on a daily basis, We develop strength and confidence in God. We equip ourselves with his armor. And when the enemy does attack, we have prepared day after day after day to ensure his defeat. We can be confident in God because we have repeatedly engaged his presence and his power. Repetition cultivates confidence. The second lesson is you have to learn the language. An important process in the development of a scrub tech is learning the language of surgery. We had to learn the names of instruments and procedures and supplies and equipment. We had to learn such technical vernaculars such as X marks the spot. When in doubt, throw it out. That applies to equipment and supplies, not body parts. Are the one I still use all the time, and y'all probably use this too, Lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. We learned very important acronyms like FLK, which actually has no medical significance at all. If your nurse came in the room and said you had an FLK on the schedule, it just meant you were going to see a funny-looking kid at some point in the day. FLK, funny-looking kid. But it sounds medical, you know. But the most important thing we learned was medical terminology. And how words are combined and what prefixes and root words and suffixes mean. Medical terminology can be very confusing if you do not learn what the parts of the word mean. For example, hypothermia and hyperthermia are not the same conditions and have to be treated very differently. If you get them confused, your patient is going to have a very bad day. But through learning the language of surgery, we could understand the problem the patient was experiencing, as well as prepare for the process that the surgeon was going to use to fix it. It is just as important to us as Christians that we learn the language of Jesus, that we can know and identify who he is. And when we are faced with a spiritual problem or diagnosis, we can go back to the language or the terminology we have learned. That we can, and we can learn how to understand the process that is going to be needed to fix it. So when we are diagnosed with worry about the future, we can go back to our terminology that says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. When we are experiencing burnout, our fatigue, our terminology tell us, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. When you're so burdened with life and stuff, you feel you're going to crumble under the weight of it all. I love this version of 1 Peter 5 and 7. It tells me, casting all of your cares, your anxiety, your worry, and your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. What awesome language that is, and a reassurance that God, God loves me that much. The language of Jesus, the terminology of our Savior and Redeemer, it gives life, and it is saturated with authority and power. When you are feeling spiritually sick, remind yourself of some of these things. He is first and He is last. He is beginning and he is the end. He always was, always is, and always will be unchanged, unmoving, unshakable. That's the language of my Jesus. He is light. He is love. He is comfort. He is peace. He is goodness. He is faithful. He is mercy. And he is oh so kind. He is righteous. He is holy. He is our Savior and our God. And he is Lord over all, in all, and through all. That's my Jesus that's the language of my Savior, and I can identify him, and I can know him because I learn it day after day, day after day. Amen. Amen. The third lesson I want to talk to you about is a concept called economy of motion. Now, I, had, I told Nate, I had to look this up to make sure it wasn't just something my instructors had made up when I was in school, but it is a real thing. The principles of economy of motion form a set of rules and suggestions to improve manual work and reduce fatigue and unnecessary movements by the worker, which can lead to reduction in work-related trauma. Or in simpler terms, don't do in five steps what could take you two. In the surgical context, it means that you open your supplies in a certain order so that you can find things quickly to organize your tables And you're not fumbling around dropping things. You do not want to drop something that was the last thing they had in the core and you don't have another one. That's not a good thing. Your doctor will not be happy with you. This concept teaches you to pull your tables close so that you're turning at the waist and you're not really moving your feet. You pick up multiple instruments at the same time, never just one thing. You set up your instruments and supplies in the order they will be used Bandages don't need to be opened first, being that you're good. Use them at the end. It's economy of motion. It's saving steps so that you're not exhausted before the day has even begun. It's pacing yourself, it's giving each action a meaning, a purpose, an intent. It's not wasted steps, but instead it is ordered steps. Psalms 37:23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered. By the Lord. They are dictated by the Lord. They are set in place by the Lord. Matthew Henry explained it like this By his grace and Holy Spirit, he directs the thoughts, affections, and designs of good men. By his providence, he overrules events so as to make their way plain. He does not always show them his way for a distance, but leads them step by step as children are led. So I want to ask this question to you today. Is God ordering your steps? Are you allowing him to lead you where he wants you to go? Are you purposeful and intentional in following his leading, his calling, and his divine direction? Or are you wasting steps? Are you following a path that God clearly has not designed for you? And in the process, you grow more and more frustrated and feel that God has somehow failed you. You have convinced yourself that your righteous indignation is indeed righteous. You want him to do things your way and on your terms. And when you don't see the result that you feel you deserve, you become angry, depressed, or you just withdraw from everyone and everything, including God. Priscilla Shire, in her book, Life Interrupted, says, I've got to be honest with you. If you choose to yield, surrender, and be obedient to him, things may still not go the way you were hoping, the way you thought he'd respond to your part of the deal. We must always leave room for God to be God on his terms, not ours. He is operating in our lives with a kingdom agenda that is so much bigger and grander and longer lasting than whether or not he's satisfying us on this particular Sunday morning. He is wisely, sovereignly, lovingly orchestrating plans and purposes that leap generational lines, cross cross geographical boundaries. It's things that we could never wrap our minds around. We have got to trust that when God calls us to do something, to take certain steps that he has graciously and faithfully prepared the way for us to bring his will in our lives to fruition. We do not have to engage in some kind of spiritual hopscotch going from one square to another and back again, looking for loopholes and scapegoats to excuse why we can't seem to move forward. Does everyone remember the story of Jonah? Jonah. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh to preach to some really rough folks. But instead, he chose to run away and ended up getting swallowed by a great fish. And after three days and a come-to-Jesus meeting in that belly of the fish, he ended up getting spit out on the land and going to Nineveh anyway. He went through all this stuff and still ended up going where God had called him to go in the first place. That sounds kind of crazy, don't it? And just my thinking. But how many times have we been just like Jonah? How many times have we fled in fear and anxiety from God's direct? And oh, God, please don't call me to do that. Don't ask me to do that. I'm scared. I'm not qualified. Whatever. Only to experience more fear and anxiety because of where our disobedience took us. But we don't have to keep wasting steps. We do not have to keep heading in the wrong direction or going in circles to the point that we are spiritually exhausted and a perfect target for the enemy to sink his clutches into and distract us from what God is calling us to do. If you find yourself this morning in this place, wasting steps, stop where you are. Go back to those daily disciplines. Remind yourself of the language of Jesus that at one time you were fluent in and ask him to order your steps. And one step at a time, let him lead you in the direction he wants you to go. Wasted steps are not fruitful steps. They are not productive. They are not intentional. Put into practice a spiritual application of economy of motion and let God guide you. He's got a plan. Trust him with each step that you take. So in conclusion, every chapter of our story teaches us something about who God is. This chapter of my life, this little segment of my life, showed me just how much God cared about every decision that I made, every step that I took. You may be in a chapter right now that is teaching you about trust. You may be learning about faith. Or you may be in a season that you don't feel you're learning nothing. You don't know what God is doing but just wait. And we've all been there. We have all been in that season, but just wait, just hold on. There is a lesson to be learned. And even though it can be incredibly difficult sometimes, embrace the process because it is, it is through these lessons that we can grow and develop into everything he is calling us to be. Amen. I'd like to pray for y'all this morning. Can we bow our heads? Heavenly father, we thank you so much. Lord, that you love us, that you care for us, that you see where we are this morning. God, I thank you for every person who is here. God, in the desire of their heart. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will bless them. God, day after day, as they engage your presence, God, I pray that you will reveal yourself more and more in their lives. God, I pray that they will trust the language of who you are. That when Things come against them when battles are in being engaged against them, God, that they can trust that you are their deliverer, that you are their strength, that you are their help because they have learned your language. And God, I pray that every step they take, every step they take will be steps towards you, to your divine purpose, to your divine will in their lives. We thank you, Jesus, that our confidence continually rests in you. We thank you for this day and for everyone here in the precious matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for having me today.
0: Wow. Be hearing from her again soon. That I can assure you. She did an incredible job. Folks, there is power and authority in your story. That's what she did. She took a segment of her life, pulled lessons from it, told it. Every single one of us can do that. Every single one of us can do that. Embrace the story you have, let God use the story you have. Thank you, Christy. It's awesome. You blessed us today. Did I bless you. you? Spoke to me. Amen. Next week, we're going to start a new series. Um, I'm excited about it uh, here in this class. It's it's uh, it's called losers like us, losers like us. And uh, it's taking the uh, yeah, you're all losers. Um, it, it'll it'll bless you. Uh, basically, over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, the lives of each of the 12 disciples and uh, how in their own unique ways they were losers, but God still used them in spite of their loser that I'll have that worked out by next week. But uh, losers like us starting next week. Um, awesome. Christy already prayed. I see no reason to do it again. But thank you for being here today. I mean, we'll see you in the church in a few minutes. Be friendly. Talk to somebody you haven't already spoken to this morning. We'll see you in a few minutes in good church.